This morning we're going to continue in our series about the good news. When the Bible talks about the good news, it's oftentimes translated in Scripture as the word gospel. Gospel is Greek for good news. Is especially good news that is momentous. So, if there's a victory, a great victory, where your country is saved from some aggressor who is going to come in and destroy you, that is the gospel. That is good news. And what we are studying together, what we are talking about this summer, is the good news of the victory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a tremendous victory, as what we will be looking at this morning. Specifically, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading verses 4 through 9. If you would like to follow along in your pew Bible, that would be wonderful. It can be found on page 937, and we will read that in just a moment. Beginning 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning at verse 4, page 937. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This morning we're going to talk about good news. And the good news we're going to talk about is God is light. That is incredible news. God is light. As we begin this morning, I'd ask that you just pray with me. Father God, we're going to talk about you as light. I pray this morning that you would send your light into our hearts to illuminate the words that Paul has written to us 2 Corinthians, that we might desire to be with you, to know you, to love you in the way that you want us to. Father God, be here in our midst. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Long time ago when I was a campus minister, one of the things that we loved to do on retreats was to play a game called Sardines. Some of you smile now because you know what sardines is all about. Sardines is kind of a game of hide-and-seek. I'm not here to explain the game. But the most important part of sardines is it has to be totally dark. 
And it's even helpful if you're, in a, if you're in a place that nobody knows anything about, which makes a retreat center even better because there's no lights around, there's no street lights, there's no car lights. And if there's cloudy skies, there's no moonlight, there's no stars. When you turn off the lights, it is pitch black. And in sardines, the object is one person goes to hide and they hide and everybody tries to find that person. But if it's pitch black, you can hide out in the middle of the room. Nobody can see you there. There's all kinds of hiding places that aren't available to you if you actually have your eyes. But the beautiful thing about sardines is it strips away the one thing that most of us trust more than anything else, our eyes. You have to use something else to find people. You have to feel your way, listen, smell. Well, you hope that they don't smell that much. <laughs> use your other senses to try to find the person. But you know what's amazing about the game of sardines? It's, it's fun to play, but when you turn on the lights again after it's all done, it's kind of amazing because you see the place that you live in a totally different way because you've been blinded and you felt your way around this place and you didn't actually know exactly what you were feeling because you couldn't see it and you just had to discover it. And when the light turned on, you go, oh, that's what I was feeling over there. Oh, that's what that is. I almost knocked that thing down. But that's the thing. When the light comes on, our blindness is overcome. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this passage. For us as Christians, God is light. The light is going to be turned on we are going to see in ways that we have never seen before. But before we start with that, we really need to begin by understanding where we're going. So I want to talk about the good news. And I want to talk about the good news of the fact that God is light. But even better than that, with God's light, we can overcome our own blindness and we can shine. Amazing. But in order to understand this, we really need to understand a basic principle of who we are. Blindness is a part of living in this world. Look at this passage. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light. When we were born, we didn't believe. And the God of this world, notice the small g, is not the God Almighty, it is Satan. Satan is the God of this world. And the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light. So we have to understand that we're born blind, even though we have eyes. And it is the purpose and the plan of Satan to keep us blind, even though we have eyes to see. But we have to understand what God is the light means. What does it come to your mind when I say God is light? What comes to your mind? I actually Googled this. What's an image for God is light? And there are a whole bunch of images which basically focused around the sun and sunbursts and the fact that God is unimaginable light. He's so bright 
that we just almost can't see him. We can't comprehend how bright and how great God's light is. And that's what this image is. This isn't an image of God, and this isn't really an image of God as the light. And the amazing thing is this image has nothing to do with the passage that we're studying. Because Paul is not talking about something we can see with our eyes. He's talking about something that we see inside of our hearts and our minds. God is light, but it's not something that in this passage we're talking about seeing with our eyes. John 12:40 says, Satan basically has blinded their eyes and he's hardened their hearts. They can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts. Nothing to do with your eyes. God is light in this passage is something that we will see without our eyes, with our eyes closed. It's something that we don't need our eyes to see. We are blind in a different way. We are blind in our hearts, not in our eyes. And Satan is giving us the the pathway to continue to be blind. We are blinded from the truth. We are blinded from seeing God. We have no way to see him. And the light that God is talking about is a light that illumines our path to him. We are people who are blind. And we see this every day. I think of an illustration across the street from our house. Um, there's a housing development that's been going in, has been for the last five years. This was a housing development that was built on 600 acres of beautiful woods. And when this developer was actually two men, came in and proposed this housing development, it was fiercely opposed by the people in Magnolia because it was a wood that was special to them. And they opposed it. They went to meetings and said, we don't want this. This is, a, this is a place that is special to us. We love to walk in the woods. Think of all the animals that you will displace. Think of all the bad things that will happen if you go ahead and build the subdivision. But you know what? Those developers were blinded to that whole concept. They actually heard, but didn't, didn't resonate with them at all. It didn't resonate with them because they were in this not for the animals, and not for the trees, and not for the people of Magnolia. They were in it for themselves. They were in it for the money. They were in it because it was going to do things for them as a family. Now, I want you to get the purpose of this illustration. I am not against developers, and I'm not for tree huggers. Okay, that's not the point of this. We have laws, and we have places that you have to go where there's supposed to be a arbitrary, or not an arbitrary, but a, but a judge or a board that actually is impartial in order to evaluate this. Purpose of this is to see how, we, how blind we are. So these developers got this development approved, and they started it, they sunk a couple of million dollars into it, they mortgaged their own houses in order to get the loan. And then the recession hit 10 years ago. Nobody wants to buy houses. Nobody cares about development. Nobody cared about that kind of thing. There was no money to even take loans. 
Two years later, the two developers lost the development, they lost their homes, and they lost everything because they were blinded. They were only thinking about the money, but there was no money anyway. And in all of life, we are blinded. We are blinded by our desires. We're blinded by our thoughts. We're blinded by so many things. We don't see things clearly. But you know what? We not only don't think, see things clearly, we don't see God clearly. And we are blinded in that area too. Those developers, they were blinded. But in the same way, Satan blinds us. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Why? To keep them from seeing the light. He blinds us spiritually so that we cannot see the truth and we cannot see God. Satan uses the sinful nature that's inside of us to blind us. Now, how does this actually work? In John chapter 11, there's there's an interesting story. We talked about it this spring. But it's Jesus who goes to Lazarus, who has been dead for three days. And he goes there, and he actually raises him from the dead after he had been dead for three days. And people were astonished. Now think about it. You're a person who feels like you know God. Pharisees felt like they knew God. They knew scripture. They knew all about scripture. But yet, when they were faced with the reality of Jesus Christ actually doing a miracle in their midst, what should their reaction be? The reaction should be, wow, that is God. And God is light. And God is wonderful. But that's not the way they reacted. Even though they were people who they thought they knew God, their reaction was a reaction of people who are blinded by the God of this world. Right after Jesus did this, they got together, had a big meeting, and this is what they said. The chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is the man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Jesus raises a man from the dead who has been dead for three years, or three days. The reaction is, "Uh uh-oh, this is bad. This isn't from God. This is from Satan. We need to get rid of this guy. If we don't get rid of this guy, notice, we don't get rid of this guy, the Romans are going to come and they're going to take away everything that we have. They're blinded by pride. They're blinded by their own greed and their own selfishness. And because of their pride, their greed, and their selfishness, they don't see the truth. And that's exactly what Satan wants. But that's not all. 
Um, I'm sorry. I got a, a text message that says, for Tim, you have a package arriving, but that's all right. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just sorry. I had to laugh because it came in there. <laughs> that's all right. We know, and that's the point to this point, we know what it's like to be blinded. If you're just saying to yourself, oh yeah, those are the dumb Pharisees, yeah, they're blinded. Oh yeah, that's just dumb developers, they're blinded. That's not the message of Scripture. We have to own it. We all are blind. Blindness is not something that some people have and some people don't. Spiritual blindness is something that we all have. It's something we're there. But blindness is part of living in this world. But God's light can pierce the blindness. That is so amazing. Blindness is part of this world. It's what we all face. But God's life, or God's light, can pierce the blindness because our minds have been open to God's to the to God's light that's the good news is that you don't have to live the rest of your life spiritually blind god is light look at the passage we can see in the passage that we can see the light of the gospel In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. The first way that God illumines our life is that we are suddenly able to see the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we begin to understand that. We can now do that. That's good news. Secondly, We can see the glory of Christ with God's light. Seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Thirdly, we can see God's glory through Christ. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is amazing what God's light does. The light not only shines through Christ, but the light shines in our very heart. God pierces our heart and allows us to see his light and his truth. For God has shown in our hearts to give the light. Finally, the light of God, or the light shows us God's all-encompassing power. In fact, this is such an amazing thing. I have one metaphor, which is light. But in this passage, there's a second metaphor. There are, this is treasure in earthen jars, jars of clay. The treasure is the good news. It is the fact that God is light and God lives inside of us. This treasure lives in jars of clay, which are breakable, which are fragile. But the treasure is not. And God puts this treasure in us to show that the the surpassing power belongs to God. This is amazing. This is good news. Look at these things. We can see the light of the gospel. We can see the glory of Christ. The glory means 
his character, his power, his majesty. Same thing with God, his character, his glory, his majesty. We have the right to see who Jesus really is. And Jesus is God. And because Jesus is God, we can know who God is. Because God is light, and that light illumines our heart, takes away our blindness. It shines in our hearts, and it shows us God's power. Living in the light is wonderful. It is powerful. It is powerful to know that God loves us, and he has forgiven us. And through his Spirit, the light of God can live inside of us, and we can change. It's amazing. The other day I was listening to Christian radio and there was this praise uh, time. I think it was like a half hour of praise music. And they put on one song and all they did in that song is sing over and over two lines. The two lines were, the struggle is over. The struggle is over. The struggle is over. The heartache is over. The heartache is over. And it's over because the light of God has shined into our hearts when we come to know who Jesus is. But you know what? There's something not quite true about that song. At least it's not quite true yet. It's not over yet. And that's really important to understand. The light of God has pierced into our blindness and we can see. But we're still blind. We still have the God of this world who is Satan, who is using those things to blind us. So, Paul goes straight into this, from this wonderful God is the light, to this section right after it. We are afflicted in every way. We're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. Wait a minute, I thought the struggle was over. I thought the heartache was over. I thought God won. Isn't that what good news means? God won. The victory is there. Why do Christians still struggle with afflictions? Why are we still perplexed because bad things still happen to us? Why are we persecuted? Why are we struck down? If God is so amazing, why are we still going through all of these things? We have this treasure that can show the surpassing power that belongs to God. Oh, we're going backwards. I love it. I do this once every time I preach. There we go. So, we are blind, but God's light can pierce the blindness. But that isn't the end of everything. With God's light, we can overcome our blindness and we can shine. Satan's role is to confuse to blind us. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds. But even more dastardly, 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, just a little bit after this, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of he has blinded their eyes. So there's a sense here that even though we are Christians and even though we have God's light and that light illuminates our path, Satan is still trying to blind us. That's his role. He's still trying to take us away from God. He pretends to be the light. He pretends to be the truth. He pretends to be the way in order to confuse us. So how does Satan blind us today? The list here, to me, is all-inclusive. It's things that I could think of. And I'm not saying this list because it's something for you to think of or think about. I'm saying these things because I have failed on each one of them. That Satan has been successful in using every one of these things to blind me. Look at the list. How does Satan continue to blind us? He uses our pride. We're afraid of losing respect. They might laugh at us. They might say that we're crazy. Our pride is a powerful thing that makes us do things. And Satan uses our pride. He uses our selfishness. We're more interested in doing our own things. We're giving in to our own desires because they feel good. I decide what's good for me. I'm the boss of me. Satan loves this one. It's a great button for him to push. God doesn't know what you really want. God's not in it for you. Take care of yourself. That's what you should do. Rationalization. You're not really hurting anyone. What's the big deal? Why, did, why does there have to be only one way to get to heaven? Everyone else is doing it. Why can't I do it? It's so much easier to just go along. Why can't I do that? We use rationalization all the time. Satan loves that one. Our greed. Spending all of our time and thoughts on accumulating more things. Our whole society pushes us to accumulate, to buy, and think about all of those things all the time. Or how about our self-esteem? They're the lies that Satan tells you. Satan tells you you're no good. God doesn't love you. How could God love you? If everybody knew who you really were, they'd all hate you too. And God, God must hate you too. God wouldn't want me. I don't deserve to be in his light. Those are the lies that Satan tells us. If everyone really knew who I was, they wouldn't like me. And then in this passage, through hard times. We live in a world that's run by Satan. It's a world that has disease. It's a world that has hardship. It's a world that has starvation. It has wars. It has all kinds of atrocities. It's nice when we don't experience those things, but in this world, we're going to experience some of them. We are all going to die. We are all going to get sick. And Satan will use those hard times to pressure us, 
to push us to say, God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really want you. If God was really all-powerful, you wouldn't have to go through these things. Hard times is the way that Satan gets at us. The amazing thing is that Paul doesn't stop there. This is a passage of hope because it's a passage about light. It's a passage about God. We're afflicted in every way. But look at these words. But not crushed. But not driven to despair. But not forsaken. But not destroyed. These are the incredible things that God does for us. Life is hard. But it's not too hard because we have a God who loves us and knows us. I was reading a story about a pastor here in Massachusetts, and this is a person who has been striving to give his whole life for God and to do ministry and feels like ministry is going really well. And then what happens is that he gets sick and they're afraid that it's cancer. And what does Satan say when that kind of a thing happens to you? Satan says to you, who is this God? You're doing all this ministry and God is going to give you cancer? as supposed to be Hodgkin's disease. And struggled with, does God want me to do ministry? Does God want me to continue in this place? Or does God want me to take me home? What is it that God wants in this particular situation? He got to the point where he was perplexed because that's what Satan wants you to be. And in that process, as he prayed through it, God brought some light to it. And what God said is that you will be and do what God wants. And if God wants to take you home, then rejoice. If God wants to heal you, and you can continue to minister here, then rejoice. It turns out that the test came back negative and he didn't have Hodgkin's disease, and he praised God for that. But he was prepared as a Christian for the bad news because there isn't always a great ending to things like this. People who are Christians get sick and they die before they reach a ripe old age. And that's tragic. But as Christians, it is not tragic because we have seen the light and whether we live, which is beneficial, or whether we die and go to heaven and be with God and we, we celebrate in that ultimate victory, God's name can be praised. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we do not despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. The light breaks the blindness so that we can see the truth, so that we can change and become more like Christ. How? Through the light of God that is in us. This is an amazing thing in this passage. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown that light in our hearts. The light of God 
shines out from out of us, from the inside, in our hearts, in our minds. And it changes us. It changes us so that we can become people that live like Christ, that have characters like Christ, that are humble, that are gentle, that forgive, that are gracious, that are compassionate towards other people. And in that same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're good not because we just try harder. We're good because the light of God shines inside of us, shows us the glory and the knowledge of God through his scripture, through prayer, through a life, being with Jesus. The good news is God is light. With that light, we can overcome our blindness and we can shine to an unbelieving world. Let's pray. Father God, every one of us here knows that there are ways which we are hiding from you. Knows ways that we are blind. And I pray, Lord, for the hard thing this morning, that you would let your light shine in us. Shine in us in a way that reveals all of those areas that we are blinded right now. Show us our selfishness, our pride. Show us our greed. Show us all the things that take us away from you. And help us to be people who are gracious, and compassionate, show mercy, forgive, have the character of Jesus Christ in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.